Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, September 21st, 2020. This is Chris Johnson, Lifeline's National Director of Church Partnerships. Today, we're continuing our study on the book of Ezekiel, and we're going to be looking at Ezekiel chapter number 34. As you look at the whole scheme of the book of Ezekiel, this chapter really kind of represents a turning of the page, so to speak. Uh, The first 33 chapters have been all about the judgment of God. Um, We have seen Ezekiel having to lay on his side to prophesy. We've seen him having to cook his food over dung. We've seen him not being able to speak anything except for exactly the words that that God gives him and is speaking only those words. Uh, We've seen him lose his wife. Uh, His wife passed away. We've seen him uh, just prophesying judgment, all this bad news over and over and over again. But now we come to a time where he's going to begin to comfort the people. He's going to begin to remind them of God's grace and of God's faithfulness. Uh, Just recently, we had our run for one here at Lifeline. It's a 5K that we did. And the one that we did here in Birmingham takes the the track, takes you through the woods, up hills. And really, it's a pretty rugged course that you run. Uh, I had the opportunity to kind of be at the final turn of that section that was there in the woods. I was literally at the the peak of the hill. And as runners were coming my way, I had the opportunity to cheer them on, encourage them, and let them know, just turn this corner. And when you turn this corner, it's downhill from here. You've gotten through the hardest part, and now you get to enjoy running through the finish line. It's kind of that whole idea here. Ezekiel has been saying nothing but doom and gloom and judgment, and now he is able to remind the the people of God, his uh, God's chosen people, the Israelites, is able to remind them of God's faithfulness, of God's goodness, of his grace and his mercy. And, and I tell you, I don't know about you, but man, I sure am thankful for the faithfulness of God. I'm thankful today that his promises are sure and that I can have have hope, uh, that, that, that hope that is uh, knowing and assurance and assurance of knowing that that, that hope is, is uh, a reality, that the promises of God are sure. My wife and I recently uh, recognized a kind of a milestone in our life. Uh, this, this past week, we saw uh, it had been three years since one of our sons was killed in an auto accident unexpectedly. And I tell you, people ask oftentimes, I don't know how you've made it through that process. I don't know how you continue to, to go on. And the reality is the only reason that we can is because of the hope we have in Christ. The assurance that we have that because our son was in a personal relationship with his Savior, we know we're going to see him again. We know that we have eternity to look forward to. And it's the hope in the promises of God that enable us to keep going on. And so Ezekiel here is is now going to be able to share with them uh, the goodness of God and really kind of paint a picture of who God is and how God is at work in their lives. Let's look at the message here of Ezekiel chapter number 34. Ultimately, this chapter focuses on leadership. It shows a very stark contrast between bad leadership and good leadership. It reveals to us leadership at its worst and then also leadership at its best. 
In this chapter in our time together today, we're going to see three things. We're going to see the pain that comes from bad leadership as we look at the first 10 verses of Ezekiel 34. Then we're going to see the joy that comes from good leadership, the right kind of leadership. And then we'll close our time today with the ramifications of our own leadership. What does this mean to us as we lead others? I want you to take a moment. I want you to think in your own life and think about some good leaders that you have seen. I want you to think about bad leaders that you have seen as well. I asked our team at Lifeline to share with me what are some characteristics of good leaders that you have followed, people that you have served under or served with that uh, that led well. Uh, what were some of those characteristics? And they listed things like the person was kind, uh, the person was supporting, uh, helpful, uh, was, was all about teamwork, was others focused, was encouraging. But then I asked them to share what are some characteristics of bad leaders as well. And I heard words like controlling, distrustful, self-absorbed, mean and harsh, spiteful. We all know in our mind those clear characteristics of those who lead well and those whose leadership is lacking. And we're going to basically see these qualities and characteristics played out before us in Ezekiel chapter 34. Really, when you take it all down and you boil it all down, you see that bad leaders do what is best for self. They do what they think is going to get them promoted or get them uh, to attain more and to be in a better place, a better position. Whereas good leaders are others focused. Good leaders do what is in the best interest of those that are following them, those that they are le- who they are leading. Uh, I over and over again have used this as I've taught people, taught my, my children and the church I pastored. Uh, the best definition of love that I've ever come across is love is acting in the best interest of another. That's what genuine love does, right? That's what true love does. It puts the needs of others ahead of the needs of self. And that's what we're going to see here. The characteristics of a good leader is one that is engaged and involved and and really has a heart to push forward the uh, well-being of those they're leading. So let's dive into Ezekiel chapter 34, and let's first look at these first 10 verses. We're going to see the pain that comes from bad leadership. Ezekiel says there in verse number one, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Now the word shepherd here, who he is, who he is referring to and who he is speaking to is really kind of a, a broad spectrum of leadership. We know that in Ezekiel, he has prophesied directly to elders. He's talked directly to uh, family leaders. He's talked directly to community leaders and, and, and governmental leaders and all those different pieces. But here he's kind of wrapping all the leadership uh, of the children of Israel kind of into one thing. And he's, and he's referring to really all different types of leadership. He's referring to spiritual leadership. Uh, he's referring to those in familial leadership. And he's also referring to those in governmental leadership. And he's going to uh, speak out against this poor leadership that has um, been placed, uh, that, is, that has been in front of the children of Israel. Um, the reality is the role of a shepherd is to care for the sheep. We know that, right? The shepherd is, is to protect the sheep, is to feed the sheep, nurture the sheep, and care for the sheep. Again, doing what is in the best interest of the sheep. I think an important thing to note as we are going through this chapter as well uh, is that God sees and God cares about who is leading. God sees when there is bad leadership in place. God sees when there is good leadership in place. 
He is sovereign and he is ultimately in control. He knows what we are facing. He knows who is leading us. He knows the uh, the struggle that we might have in the situation where we find ourselves. And it's important to recognize, and as we're going to see in this chapter, that God knows exactly where you are today. God knows exactly the kind of governmental leadership that we are seeing today. It doesn't catch him off guard. God knows the type of spiritual leadership that is uh, on display in our pulpits and in our ministries, in our churches. And it doesn't surprise God, doesn't catch him off guard. And sometimes we buck against that and we find ourselves under the leadership of people that uh, maybe are not doing what is right and what is best. And we wonder, has God forgotten us? Have we been just kind of left behind in this place of despair? And what we see clearly in this passage is that God has not forgotten, that God knows exactly what he is doing. He is all powerful. He is almighty. He is sovereign God, and he is working every situation in our life, including those who lead us and guide us. He is using these situations for our good and for his glory. So he recognizes this leadership that has been ahead in front of the children of Israel. And he tells Ezekiel, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, verse number two, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not the shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat and you clothe yourself with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. Again, he is saying it's all about you. Instead of protecting and nurturing the sheep, you look for the fattest sheep and you kill that sheep so that you might be clothed with its wool, so that you might feast upon its meat. You are seeking after and you are bringing harm to your sheep. Verse number four, the weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. He's saying you have neglected the needs of your people. You have, you have neglected the, uh, the need when they were hurting, when they were broken. Instead of bringing healing, you caused further pain. You, you put them in a more difficult place. Instead of loving them and wrapping arms around them and caring for them, you have sought to do them harm and, and, and you have ruled harshly over them. Verse number five. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. One of the reasons that the shepherd, as he leads sheep, tries to keep the sheep all in one group together is for their protection. Because he knows that if one sheep gets separated from the fold, then that sheep is susceptible to the, to the harm of, of those animals around. There are animals that are lying in wait and just watching for one of those sheep to get separated from the group. And when that sheep gets isolated, that is when the enemy, that's when that, 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 uh, that wolf or that other animal will attack that lone sheep and will do it harm. And God is saying here, you as shepherds of Israel, you have allowed my sheep to scatter. You've, you've got them spread out to where that they no longer are under that umbrella of protection. They no longer are, uh, are under the protection of the shepherd, but instead you've allowed them to, to be scattered and you, you've put them in, in harm's way and you've put them in very difficult place. You have failed to protect those that you were called to lead and protect. Verse number seven. 
Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. He's saying, he's saying you have, you have, the, the reality is because of your bad leadership, everyone has suffered. And that's a truth today. Everyone suffers when there are bad leaders in place. And you, you've, he said, you've not gone out and you've searched to find the sheep that are, that are lost. You've not sought to care for them. You've not sought to feed them and protect them. And because of that, he says, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds. And I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths and they may not be food for them. The truth that we see here is that eventually God will protect his people from ungodly leaders. God sees where you are. God knows where you are. And God will protect his people. And ultimately, God will remove them from that poor leadership. He says, because of what you have done as leaders, as shepherds of the children of Israel, I'm going to remove you from that place of leadership. I'm going to take away your ability to to feed yourself because you were feeding yourself on those that were following you. And I'm going to remove them from following you. God protects his people. God provides a way out. The truth is we have seen this over and over again in the lives of the children of Israel. This was not anything new for the people of Israel. As a matter of fact, in Psalm number 78, we're kind of told uh, the beginning of that Psalm talks about the importance of, of telling to your young people and telling to the generations behind you the things of the Lord so that they would not mis- make the same mistakes that their forefathers made. And in Psalm number 78, the psalmist Asaph kind of walks through all the different issues that the children of Israel face. And he talks about the ways that they question God, that they turn their back on God, that they abandoned God, that they ran to other gods. And they really, uh, although God had given them great freedom and God had brought them out of Egypt and God had, had was taking them to the promised land. They began to, they continued in the wilderness to continue to question God and turn their backs on him. He even gave them his law and they, they refused to obey, refused to walk in truth. When they came to the place of going into the promised land, they had bad leaders who said, we can't do this. This is not what we're supposed to do. And they followed those bad leaders and they suffered because of that. That generation was not able to enter in the promised land because of the, them following that bad leadership. Over and over again, this happened with the children of Israel. But what was God's remedy? What was his solution? You read through Psalm 78 and you get to the end, you get to the last three verses. And in verse number 70, it says, He chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob his people, Israel his inheritance. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. God's remedy and God's solution for the children of Israel following bad leadership was to raise up good leaders, to raise up the right leader. And it says that he took David from leading physical sheep to then leading the sheep, God's people. And the reason that he was able to use David is because David was a godly leader. 
It says there that David led with an upright heart. Some uh, translations say the integrity of his heart, which is that wholeness, that completeness, the, the integrity of his heart, and he guided them with the skillfulness of his hands. David was the kind of leader that had the right heart, but also did things in the right way with excellence. He did what was right. And God's remedy for calling out, uh, calling, rescuing people from poor leadership is to raise up good, strongly, strong, godly leaders. Of Israel's 43 kings, we know that, that, that David led well, but then came along Solomon and Solomon kind of started off right and had wisdom, but began to make poor choices and began to ultimately kind of take the people, lead the people away to where that then the kings were divided and, and, and we just kind of see this downward spiral of the people of Israel and they begin to follow false gods and they begin to turn away and, and they abandon, uh, the one true God. And, and over this period of time, the, 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 there were 43 different kings of Israel, and we were told that only three of those kings consistently walked in a way that was right, consistently uh, were loyal to God and the things of God. Those three were David, Hezekiah, and Josiah. So this, this cycle has happened over and over again with the children of Israel. They, God rescues them. They turn their backs on him. They fall, run after false gods. He raises up a leader that rallies them and brings them back to him. Then they get comfortable. They begin to fade away, begin to turn their back again. They follow bad leadership, get to a place of despair. And then God raised up King Hezekiah. And King Hezekiah called them back to truth and called them back to righteousness. And for a season, they walked in that. But then again, bad leaders came to the end of the point to where when Josiah becomes king, they are completely worshiping all kinds of gods and are desecrating the temple and in a horrible way. And Josiah is a man after God and steps up and he destroys the, the idols and he breaks down uh, all the, 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 the false altars and, and says, we're going to worship the one true God. And we see them rally around that, but then again, poor leadership comes and it leads the people then away from the Lord to where that we now find them here having to pay the the price of that poor leadership by being stuck in this time of captivity. Thankfully, though, the story doesn't end there. They would have been, you know, the reality is the people of Israel would have been so much better off had they just stuck with the one true God as their king. Had they not desired earthly kings, had they not wanted to be like other people, had they just rested in the one true perfect God as their king, how much better they would have been. And that's ultimately what Ezekiel is going to show them here in this passage. We've seen the pain that comes from following bad leadership, but Ezekiel is now going to show them that God's going to rescue them once again. This is the good news. This is the turning of the page. Ezekiel begins to now show how God is going to raise up a good leader and ultimately how that God himself will be their shepherd. We saw the pain that comes from bad leadership. Now we're going to see the joy that comes from good leadership. Let's jump back in Ezekiel 34, beginning at verse number 11. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. And as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. He says, you know what? I'm going to bring my sheep back together. I'm going to bring them under my wings, and I'm going to protect them. 
You know, as I'm reading that and thinking of that, I can't help but think of Psalm number 121. Let me read that for you real quickly. Psalm 121 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. God is the good shepherd who provides protection for his sheep. Verse number 13, Ezekiel 34. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. The good shepherd feeds his sheep. He provides for them and he provides the very best for them. He puts them in the right pastures and by the right streams of water. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. Verse 15, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. The good shepherd provides rest. He provides restoration. We go on to see that he provides rescue and healing. Verse 16, I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. He says, I'm going to bring healing. I'm going to bring rescue and restoration. I'm going to take and I'm going to bind up your wounds and all the pain that you have suffered and all the, the trouble that you have endured because of the way that bad leaders have led you and the ways that you have followed the leadership, I am going to love you and restore you and bring you back to a place of hope, a place of healing, and a place of rest. That's what the Good Shepherd does. That's what the Good Shepherd does in our lives. Although we are lost, although we are in a place of despair, a place of hopelessness, he draws us to himself. He provides for our salvation, and then he provides our healing and our care and our love. And even in difficult circumstances, even in harsh times, even in times of uncertainty and question and pain and doubt, in those times, he draws us closely to himself, and he nurtures and provides for us. We see also he's going to provide justice for those who have wormed their way into the flock that are not a part of the flock. Verse 17, as for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. It is not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture and to drink of clear water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet. And must my sheep eat with you have trodden with their feet, eat where you have trodden with your feet, and drink what you have muddied with your feet. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I will my, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. 
He's going to say those that, uh, those that have, have, have wormed their way in and you have, you have tried to push aside the weak and you've pushed aside those that are hurting so that you can again feed yourself and care for yourself. You've, you've knocked them out of the way, uh, of, of receiving the food and the, and the good water and the good pasture. Ultimately, what he's saying is, he says, I'm going to cut out the fakers. Those of you that pretend to be mine, but you're bringing harm to the rest of the flock. I'm going to, I'm going to call you out. I'm going to show you who you are. I'm going to reveal who you are, and I am going to deal with you appropriately. The good shepherd has a mind set on justice and what is right. Verse number 23, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. We see now that Ezekiel is kind of revealing who this good shepherd is. And he's pointing uh, kind of a prophetic reference here. And, and, and we see here, he says, he says he's going to raise up David. Now, remember, we were just talking about the fact that, that David was that one that God chose in Psalm 78 to, to be the good leader, to lead them in the right way. Is he now saying, is Ezekiel saying, is God saying through Ezekiel that he's going to bring David back to life and that David now is going to become their king again? No, that's not what he's saying. What he, the, the reality is he is, he is, he is referencing back to, to, to the fact that David was that leader that God called. But more importantly, he is looking forward to the coming Messiah. You see, the, the promise of the Messiah, that, that the Messiah would come to be that good shepherd. David was long dead, so this is not referring to him, but it is referring to the seed of David. You see, it was through the Davidic line, God had promised David that it was through his line that he would raise up a Messiah. And Ezekiel is showing us as that one that would come as the, the prince of David, the one that would come along following that line of David, that he would be that good shepherd. And he's referring to the promise of the Messiah, that the Messiah would come. We know that this promise was fulfilled in the coming of Jesus. And we know that because of the way that Jesus led, but ultimately because of what Jesus said. If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter number 10. John chapter number 10, we're going to read the words of Jesus where Jesus is describing himself as the shepherd. And I want you to notice the different qualities that are mentioned here that are the same qualities that were mentioned there in Ezekiel chapter 34. John chapter number 10, verse number seven. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there'll be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. 
So Jesus describes himself, and we see that Jesus, the Messiah, is that good shepherd. He's the one that, again, shows that love by laying his life down for those sheep. He does what is in the best interest of those that are his. Now Ezekiel continues on in verse number 25, and he begins to describe what it will be like when we see the full leadership of the good shepherd, when he returns and when he comes back and he establishes his kingdom and he rules and reigns as the good shepherd. Listen to it in verse number 25 of Ezekiel 34. I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them in the places all around my hill a blessing, and I will send down the showers in their season. They shall be showers of blessing. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield its increase, and they shall be secure in their land. And they shall know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and deliver them from the hand of those who enslave them. They shall no more be a prey to the nations, nor shall the beast of the land devour them. They shall surely, they shall dwell securely and none shall make them afraid. And I will provide for them renowned plantations so that they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land and no longer suffer the reproach of the nations. And they shall know that, listen to this, I am am the Lord their God with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God. And you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the Lord God. What great hope Ezekiel gave to these people in bondage. They would not stay in in Babylon forever. God would restore them as his people. God will keep his word. He will bring Israel to himself and he will be their God, their shepherd. He would lead them as their good shepherd. What great hope that must have brought to these people. What great hope that brings to us today as we look forward to, as we long for the return of our good shepherd as we long for him to come and establish his ruling and his reigning here on this earth. But as we wait for that time, as we look forward with anticipation to that time, we see now the reality is we are called to lead others in a fashion that honors his leadership. We saw the pain that comes from bad leadership and the joy that comes from good leadership. And now we can see how his good leadership should affect the way that we lead others. This idea of leadership is something that should not be taken lightly. James, in James chapter 3, verse 1, said, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that they, that they who teach will be judged with greater strictness. James is warning, hey, don't, don't jump into leadership. You need to be careful about that because with leadership comes great responsibility. Leadership should not be taken lightly. As we wait for Christ's return, we must follow his example. Wherever we have leadership, wherever we have influence, we must do what is best for those we are leading. We must not seek out our own interests. We must not do what is best for us, but we must live in a way that, 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 that honors the needs of those that we are, who we are leading. Whether you lead in your home, 
as a husband leading his wife and children, as a, as a mother leading her children, whether you lead in the workplace as a, as a, as a manager or a, a leader of an organization, whether you lead uh, in your department where you work, whether you lead in your community, maybe you're a political leader as well. Whatever role that God has given you, whoever, whatever opportunity he gives you to lead, may we all lead with the mind of Christ. May we lead following his example. May those who we lead, may they be blessed by our leadership. May they enjoy the fruits and the benefits of having a good leader. It's important that we as leaders recognize that ultimately we are stewards of this leadership. We are stewards of these opportunities that God has placed before us. And may we follow this example of the good shepherd. May we not be shepherds that need to face the rebuke of God, but instead may we be the kind of shepherds that our people will enjoy following, will love following. May we be the kind of shepherds that honor our God, honor our Lord, and follow his example. As we close out our time together this morning, I think it's just appropriate that we read one of the most comforting passages in all of Scripture that just kind of reminds us of who God is in our life. Psalm number 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Aren't you thankful today for the Lord who is our good shepherd? And now we get the wonderful privilege of talking to him, of bringing our needs before him and sharing our hearts with him and asking him to work in our lives and in the lives of others as well. This week, we are praying for domestic adoption. I ask you to pray for expecting parents who are considering abortion, that they instead would choose adoption. Pray that they will find Lifeline and other resource centers where their hearts will be softened for the gospel. Pray also for God to call families to match the requests from these birth mothers. There's a great need right now for African-American families to step up and become adoptive families. We need families with a high level of openness to uh, maintaining relationship with birth mothers. We need families who, uh, are, who maybe feel compelled and called to transracial placement. We want to pray also for our current matches and, and our imminent placements. Uh, pray for those families who are, who are waiting and trusting God. Uh, pray for discernment uh, for these families as they consider different uh, summaries with various varieties of situations. Uh, and pray that God would provide a family for a baby right now who is waiting for a home while this baby is in interim care. We want to pray also for uh, waiting families that are waiting to be matched, that they would not give up during this season, during this time. They would have that endurance, uh, that they would be ministry minded in this wait, and that they would seek other ways to express that ministry as they wait to adopt and even after they adopt as well. And they would have a peaceful patience and they would trust that God's timing is perfect and God's plan is just right. 
So let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's pray for uh, these adoptive and potential adoptive families. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we, uh, Lord, thank you for your goodness, your grace. We thank you that you are the good shepherd and uh, we can rest in your love and your care and your provision for us. Lord, as we spend this time in prayer, God, we want to pray specifically for families in the domestic adoption process, God. Uh, we want to pray that uh, those expectant parents that are uh, considering adoption, God, that you would open up their hearts and, and that they'd be softened by the gospel and they would open up their hearts and their homes uh, to receive children. Uh, we pray, God, that you would call the right families to meet the right situations. Uh, Lord, you know the need that we have right now for African-American families to uh, to provide care for, for children. We have a need for families that are willing to cross racial boundaries. We have a need for parents that are willing to have ongoing relationship with birth mothers so that they can provide the support that both that 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 child needs as well as the love and care and and ultimately the gospel that that mom needs as well uh, God we pray for those families that are uh, Lord currently matched or that are right on the verge of having a child placed with them Lord there's so much anticipation and excitement and so much of that God has been slowed down because of the uncertainty of covid and different different pieces and we just pray God that you just would um, Lord just 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 bring your care and love uh, and nurture. Again, be that good shepherd uh, in the lives and the hearts of these families. Uh, God, I pray for this little baby that right now is waiting for a home, that you would raise up the right family, God, uh, to be the right parents forever family for this little one. Uh, God, we pray for those that are in the waiting process. We pray that you would help them to not grow weary in doing well, that they would be faithful during this season, that they would have a peace and a, a trust in your timing and your plan. We know, God, that you do all things well. And Lord, we know that even right now you're preparing both the hearts of uh, the, the families as well as the hearts of those mothers who are making decisions that are hard decisions, but God, or that, or that, but that are, that they believe are the best decisions for their children. God, we pray that you would just continue to use Lifeline, continue to use other uh, agencies and organizations and that are gospel minded and gospel focused. And may we continue to be able to shine a light uh, on this beautiful thing that called adoption. God, this beautiful picture of what you have done for us and what we now have the opportunity to do for others. God, I pray for our adoption team here at Lifeline, uh, that you would give them wisdom and guidance and direction as well, and that you would open up the right doors and put us in the right places to where that we can be used of you in whatever way you see fit. Lord, I pray for every person that's listening to this podcast today, God. May we all run to you as our good shepherd. May we be willing to do whatever it is you're calling us to do, giving you all the praise and the glory. For it's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.